Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Jana Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve excellent results, blind to our nine principles for organizational excellence. On our last two episodes, I had the pleasure of interviewing Tony Bright, president of the Carnegie Foundation. We briefly mentioned his book that will be available this summer, Improvement in Action, in which my colleague, Dr. Pat Greco, authored a case study published in the book. I think you remember us talking about that. And Pat is joining us again on our show today to continue our conversation around continuous improvement in school systems and organizations in general so that leaders can work in organizations to accelerate results and sustain success over time. To hear more about Pat's experiences leading continuous improvement in organizations, you can go back and listen to episodes number 46 and number 86. And so today I'm just so thrilled to have Pat with us again so that she can share more about her book chapter uh, in the book authored by Tony Bright, uh, Improvement in Action. So Pat, welcome to our show today. Thank you, Janet. It's a pleasure to be here and it's an honor um, to be featured within Tony's book. And just going to that, um, Pat, you know, the, the book authored by Tony, it was just so great to interview Tony, by the way. I just really enjoyed my time with him. And um, he talked about that the book includes sample best practices and organization on improvement in action. And I know you've been connected with Tony and the Carnegie Foundation for some time now. You know, so I'd just like you to just tell our audience and our listeners, you know, why and how relevant is improvement work, um, the improvement work that they're doing there. The, the work of improvement is really Tony's legacy, which you highlighted um, within the podcast and his legacy in our field. I believe improvement, improvement science, evidence-based leadership is really the tipping point for our field. We know leaders hold a profound responsibility for their organizations. You do as you're leading scooter education. Tony does with the Carnegie Foundation. I did as a superintendent. Our team was made up of remarkably bright, talented people leaders, teachers, staff, board members, the work of improvement created that backbone for real change, the change that mattered and the indicators that were valued. I connected with Tony and the team at Carnegie because they dedicated their work to that crosswalk of improvement science in the field of education. We know improvement isn't new. Improvement has radically changed outcomes in other fields. Our field has struggled because it doesn't have those that deep skill set yet of improvement that's yet hardwired. Our field is focused so much on pedagogy of instruction. We've lost sight that we run the largest systems in most communities and systems that create huge barriers for those we serve. So our field has been ill-equipped um, to learn about systems, systemic improvement, and building that backbone for systems improvement. That's what drew me to Carnegie Foundation and improvement science. It's what drew me to student education and evidence-based leadership. I think that's, you know, that's been our learning over the, over the years, Pat. You know, just um, I know we always want to focus on learning and very significantly student success and have everybody aligned in the organization to focus on that. 
Uh, but sometimes we, you know, we forget that about 50% of educational systems are not in the classroom, right? They're, they're people who are supporting the classroom and making sure that students and families have great experiences through that educational system. So I've really refined my thinking over the years to build more of a systems and improvement approach. Uh, and I know, you know, just my connection with you in terms of what you did as a superintendent of Menominee Falls and then the connection with Tony and his colleagues, you know, it's just made a, a phenomenal difference in, in the work that I do. And I know the work that he is doing across the country. So with that, can you talk a little bit more about the book, your chapter in the book, Improvement in Action, what's in the chapter and what's highlighted there? And the book is featured, and Carnegie really started building the case studies probably four years ago. And the book features the case studies of organizations that have been able to sustain results for those they serve at scale, and how it highlighted those six organizations moving entire systems from underperforming to high performing, and their lessons along the way. The chapter about Menominee Falls talks about that shift. We too were learning. You know, I mean, this work, you know, was relatively new in our profession and really new in the organization that we served. I was learning. Um, our team was learning. We owned the responsibility of really shifting those outcomes, but we really had to deeply commit to building that understanding within our people. We needed to face those brutal facts, you know, about our own system performance. We were proud of our people, but we had to be transparent with where our barriers were and really dig in to become masters of improving our work and building that backbone so that the system could really um, create better outcomes. Um, that's the story of Menominee Falls, and the, and the book tells a little bit about that story in any chapter. You know, you're learning as you're going. They're telling the story at that moment in time. The team is still learning. I'm still learning. I know more now than I did when the chapter was framed, and I'll continue to learn as we move into, you know, the years ahead. Yeah, and you know, I think about uh, especially at the time that we're in now. You, know, you talk about facing the brutal facts, and um, you know, facing the brutal facts helps us learn <laughs> in so many ways because we're, you know, we're looking at those areas where we can harvest the wins and and really celebrate those. Uh, and in a in an organizational culture, we're also maturing our people to look at those brutal facts. And you know, I think going to you know, kind of the next question, Pat, I just, you always talk about, you know, measures that matter in education as a relevant starting point. So it's really hard to look at the brutal facts unless we know what those measures are, you know, so I know you're passionate about that and, um, and so am I. So what kind of measures, you know, are, are important and, and why are they important for us to look at? Yeah, and, and Tony does an excellent job when you listen deeply of saying the measures of accountability are not the measures of improvement. You know, so my thinking on measures has deepened greatly and I've gotten better at it and our field is going to continue to get better at this. Um, what I've learned is the measures have to be simple, clear, and really targeting on what matters most. We have a habit in our field to make the complex more complex, and improvement really lives in clear understanding that 500 people know on a Monday morning really what those targets are and how they can be frequently collected and the process used to make take that action is really critical in student learning daily performance. 
80% or higher, or if you're on a competency-based system proficient or higher, and what actions do you take on that day to meet with that child, confer on what's working and the barriers getting in the way, and setting that progress for growth individually with the kids. Daily attendance, 90% or higher, and how do you then, similar to what you're focusing on right now, Janet, of building that parent support system, how do we help parents understand that critical role they play in getting kids there and having them engaged and having those conversations about their learning. It's not about the annual state test. That's right. our, you know, that's an indicator, but it's not an improvement measure and we can't action on it because it's too slow. I, I, accountability measures are big, fat, and heavy, you know, so those improvement measures are simple, clear, actionable and, and then it takes that process of that daily tracking of performance, you know, the attendance to build the system, you know, so it can really improve. And then um, teachers working together on common classroom quizzes, you know, really understanding who's hitting that 80%, who's struggling, what can we learn from that. We can't chase improvement. We really have to build that system to really look at that, you know, what, what do we really value? And then how do we really build that system so that we get past the uncertainty and really dig into those measures that matter? Yeah, that's great. And, you know, some people ask me, how do we build engaged and motivated workplaces? And I think, you know, I'd, I'd answer it in just the way you answered, you know, that question. When, you, when we bring people around the table to have conversations about those measures and the actions that we're taking to improve, you know, that's the way we build engagement. So, you know, I, and you alluded to in your, in your um, answer, you know, that we're in a time of uncertainty right now. Um, and so, you know, uh, sometimes I, people may tend to think, oh, I just want to put a parking lot on improvement and get through, get through this time of uncertainty. So I just want to ask you, I think this is really important, you know, can improvement work help leaders move through these struggles? And will the book help organizations here? Yeah, and I, I've said this affectionately, the leaders in Menominee Falls really answer this well of saying within two days, they had everyone in the system aligned to the clear why and actioning together and had all of the processes working for them because they had that deep bandwidth built. You know, so when we think about how much we invest every year in systems, that investment in that brain power, these are wicked challenges. Yeah. You know, whether it's you know, whether it's our, our issues of of reentry, our issues of of um equity and access, these are wicked challenges that live systemically in our organizations and in our communities. The only way we're going to get underneath wicked systemic challenges is with a systems view. We can't remove barriers unless we build that backbone to create better systems for those we serve and the ones that we live in. A third of organizational results we know are around that culture of the people. We lead people. Right. You can't improve without building that brain power and the commitment of the people. You know, we don't, li you know, we don't lead objects, we lead people. Right. Then that systemic backbone and those ongoing cycles really build the capacity for those systems to weather any storm. We have really bright people pulling their brain power around the ta table, really can solve any problem if we build the capacity of the people to know how to do that well. 
Collins refers to getting the organizational flywheel spinning. You can't spin it until you build it. Right. And the process you use to build it matters. And that foundation and that practical research of improvement has built it over decades across professions. I believe this generation of leaders in our field, in our profession, will realize those results for those we serve. Yeah, I do too, Pat. So, you know, about the time, you know, that we get through conversations with our our colleagues across the country and people that we work with, you know, some people may come back and and let's summarize with this question. You know, we always kind of get this one. Well, you know, what would you recommend if, if, if people are resistant? You know, people are resistant or, you know, the the community or, you know, maybe some people on the board might be resistant. So what if people are resistant to, to taking this step in our organizations? How do we, what, what, what key words could we use to help, help leaders um, move through that resistance? We know that people resist change because it's a, it's a loss of something they value. You know, so the way we build commitment is to build that commitment around the why of what we really value. No one will resist better outcomes for every child yes. and a better working condition for every adult and, and better commitment to the business community and better outcomes for our regional accountability and, and, and our economy. No one will resist that if we start with the why. We've built a profession of jargon and complexity around how, right? And and we haven't proven results. Right. And so our fidelity really has to be to building that system of improvement. We have to commit to the fidelity around outcomes that matter and then improve our processes, every process. You know, we talk about best practice. It's not a best practice if it's not leading to the outcomes. Right. You know, we we can learn from the research, but we have to deploy the process of improvement to really make sure every part of our organization is producing the, the measures that matter. Our superpower lives as leaders in building our people and the processes so that they can see how their work matters, not getting lost in the jargon and the isolated initiatives, being crystal clear on the why and then keeping our processes on track so that they're really monitoring whether or not or how is creating our intended results. Process work is critical in improvement, and we need to nail down those core processes, seek insights, remove barriers, keep the people close to the work, continuing to refine those processes on a daily basis. We're leaders of leaders. You know, we accept that intense responsibility and we accept that job of CEO of any organization. We need to drive that line of sight and that commitment to build our people and to make them want to come to work and that tenacity to make sure what we're doing is really driving those impacts. There's no practice I believe in more strongly than hardwiring that backbone for evidence-based leadership and then relentlessly executing those cycles of improvement and developing the processes that really matter. Collins describes the level five leader as being that ordinary excellence, that master of ordinary excellence, improving people to real, realize real outcomes across the entire system. Strong process, investment in people, and intense professional will, that's what matters. It is. And you know, Pat, as you're talking and today and um, 
as a leader, you know, leading an, an organization and a unit going through, you know, some of the same times of uncertainty. I just, I wake up every day and, and think there's nothing more important now than doing the work that you ha- are talking about, building the backbone of the work with the evidence-based leadership framework. You know, my learning is working with other people and other executive leaders and leaders. And my my learning has really become, you know, myself learning for how to how to how to make decisions and try to do the right things to lead our organization forward to. It's just more important than ever. So, you know, it's it's not something we park in lot. It's something we really dive into even more than we ever have. So I just appreciate you coming on today. I appreciate the work that you've done in the past as a leader and a superintendent. So glad you're connected on our team so that we can continue to do outreach with organizations we work with as we all learn together to be the best that we can be and build those improvements. Thank you, Pat, for being on with us today. Thank you. It's an honor. Since March, we've offered a series of webinars with our experts, people like Pat and other colleagues that we have and people that we work with all over the country. And they're on topics such as using courageous leadership to manage change. That's what we've just been talking about and inspiring a collaborative sense of urgency. These webinars are becoming um, really a highlight of, of our week as we continue to think through what it means to us to really do the right things for the people that we work with each and every day and build solid and and excellent and and accelerate our performance in organizations through this time of change. To view our upcoming topics and register, please visit studereducation.com slash events. As always, I thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you're subscribed. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week.